You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Right, special edition of Colchnero Chat today on this Sunday afternoon, at least where I am. I'm Jeremy. I'm joined by Scott Coyne of the Belgian Football Podcast. How are you, Scott? I'm great, Jeremy. It's great to be here. Thanks for the invite. Really excited about this. A pretty cool collaboration we're doing here uh, with our new friends at the Belgian Football Podcast. How long have you guys been recording your show? Well, we are the number one English language podcast covering all of Belgian football. Um, and we're in our third season at the moment, uh, and things have just been growing really, really quickly for us. There's a, there's a lot of interest in the the Belgian Pro League, um, in the the English language speaking world anyway, um, and a lot of people who kind of keep a very close eye on the the kind of big five leagues uh, in Europe, Spanish league being one of them, La Liga. Um, will will also know their, their their Belgian football reasonably well, as it's very heavily scouted. Um, uh, by you know all the sides um, in the top five leagues as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fantastic stopping off spot for Belgium is uh, for for players who are perhaps coming from Africa or Asia or elsewhere in Europe who are maybe looking longer term to get their their big move to one of the top five leagues. Um, and of course, uh, there is a little Belgian connection with with Atletico as well, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just think of how many of the top players in the game had at least some experience their formative stages in the Belgian league and are still playing in the Belgian national team today. Yannick Carrasco, Axel Witzel are examples of what we're talking about for this particular game. But it's a league with a lot of exciting young talent, has been for years. 
and the team Atletico are facing on Tuesday might be the cream of the crop right now in the Belgian league. Scott, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think it'd be fair to say that Club Bruges are, are the top side in, in Belgian football at the moment. I think um, Anderlecht fans might might want to uh, pick a fight with me over that. <laughs> uh, historically, I suppose Anderlecht are probably the biggest side in Belgian football, but certainly in recent years, um, Club Bruges have become the top club. Um, Anderlecht haven't won the title now for, for six years. Um, and are, are, haven't had a great start to this season either. Um, Club Bruges, on the other hand, have started as strongly as, as I think everyone expected them to. Um, they're currently sitting third on the table at the moment, um, on 22 points, um, five points behind leaders Antwerp, who've, who've had an unbelievable start to the season. In fact, they were actually playing earlier on the season. Antwerp and uh, we're looking for their 10th straight win since the season started but mm. Club Bruges fans will be will be delighted to uh, have discovered in the last 10-15 minutes actually that Antwerp lost this evening so the gap's only 5 points now um, and we're what, just under a third of the way through the season here here in Belgium now so you know it's, it's, it's still quite early but Club Bruges are sitting in a great position, they've won 6 of their last 7 um, you know, won seven, seven out of ten of the league games so far. So you know that they're on, you know, really pretty good form at the moment. Their form just seems out of this world. And in the Champions League, uh, their last time out in Portugal against Porto—that's a tough place to go. They won four nil, just beat the stuffing out of Porto, and now they are currently top of the group. In addition to this great start to the league season, as you you've talked about. Uh, who are some of the key players that we need to keep an eye on? Who are some of the, the top names that are behind this sensational start? Well, there's quite a few names we could mention, um, but I think it is, it's worth mentioning um, Simon Mignolet. Uh, club's goalkeeper, he's, he's very important to them. Um, the sort of player who you know often produces his best football in um, big games, games that they need to win um, and that they need to do well in. Um, I think in, in, in terms of sort of outfield players to, to definitely look out for uh, Ferran Yugla, um young Spanish striker um, 23 now um, came to Club Rouge uh, just this summer actually um, he's got uh, 6 goals in 10 games so far uh, in the Pro League in Belgium uh, and he's got three assists on top of that but if you include his Champions League goal um, and his goal in the Belgian Super Cup he's actually got seven and 13 um, across all competitions so he's had a, an extremely good start to his Club Bruges career um, he's, he's worth watching out for he's, he's a very creative tricky striker um, who's has lots of different facets to his game quite small diminutive in stature I don't really like comparing players to, to, to other players, but there is a there's a messy like quality to, to his physicality um, and his, his generally low centre of gravity, which can make him very kind of tricky to deal with. Um, and he's one of those strikers who who's quite instinctive. He will he will shoot on sight. He doesn't he doesn't tend to mess about um, or overplay things too much. Other players worth highlighting: um, Danish wing. Andreas Skovolson. Um he's had a really good start to his Club Bruges career as well. He's got, he's got four goals already this season, um, four and ten, you know. So he's he's playing pretty well, um, and he's a he's a top provider. Um, so he's he's somebody to watch out for. Others worth mentioning. 
um, who, who are very important to the side uh, and could play a big part um, in the game this week are Hans Van Aken, who's a bit of a Club Bruges legend. Um, he spent most of his career actually um, at Club Bruges, uh, just signed a new contract uh, a few weeks ago, so it looks like he's going to see out uh, the remaining three or four years of his career um, at Club. Um, you know, complete legend um, at the club. There was a small chance he was going to leave this summer and go to West Ham, but it didn't quite happen. Um, others worth mentioning, big players, Clinton Mata, centre-back, uh, very reliable, uh, very physical, good pace in him, good all-round modern centre-half, um, you know, good at playing the ball out, positionally good, um, very difficult for a lot of strikers uh, or winners to get the ball, uh, battle better of Clinton. You know what I mean? He, he, he sticks to you like glue. He's, he's, he's a great defender. Why he's still at Club Bruges is is a is perhaps a bigger question and <laughs> why he hasn't got his big move yet is, is, is a bit of a mystery to lots of us but you know thankfully for Club Bruges fans and certainly for us who watch a lot of Belgian football he's still there and two others worthy of mention Casper Nielsen who came to the club this summer uh, he was a big uh, big signing uh, really good central midfielder who's come to the club from Union San who almost won the title uh, with uh, Union San last year before just being pipped by um None other than Club Bruges. And the other one worth mentioning, because I think we probably will see some of them at some point uh, in the game this week, is uh, Ukrainian striker uh, Roman Yaramchuk, who's particularly interesting, not only because he has a, has a long history and connection with Belgian football, having previously played for Ghent. Um, Club Bruges signed him this summer for a record Belgian transfer fee of 19 million euros. So I think they played about 16 million up front and then there's 3 million in add-ons. So he, he is currently the, um, yeah, holds the, the, the transfer record in Belgium. And that, that was an incredible fee for Club Bruges to pay, yeah. particularly considering he's not actually been starting games since he came in. He's very much second choice to Ferran Eucla at the moment. He's only started one game so far since he's come to Bruges, uh, Yaramchuk. Um, and they actually lost that game. Um, not that it was Roman's fault, but um, I don't <laughs> think that's going to help him kind of... Um, Usurp Ferran Ucla, who's very much the first choice striker at the moment, but I do suspect we'll see Yeoman Roman Yaramchuk at some point um, during the game this week. Yeah, Ucla uh, in particular uh, was a transfer that caught my eye because I watched him a bit at Barcelona last year. There was some talk in Spanish football circles that, well, maybe he could be registered for Barca's first team. Maybe he's someone who could have a future there, but instead he gets this move for six, seven million euro, and he's he's been in great form. It, it seems like this is a team laden with quite a bit of talent uh, not just by belgian pro league standards but they've uh, been competing in your especially this season they've been competing pretty well in the champions league they're currently top the group uh talk to me a little bit about the style of play and i also understand they have a new coach in place uh, certainly relative to the last time these two teams met Bruja and atletico but talk to me about the style of play that the new coach uh, carl hopkins is implementing well, I think the first thing to say about Carl Hopkins is um, he's been at Bruce quite a long time. He's been there since uh, 2018. Mm. Um, he's held a number of roles at the club. Obviously, he used to play for the club as well, for anyone who doesn't know. Um, he was a defender in his playing career. Uh, 127 appearances for Club Bruges as a, as a centre-half. Um, 
during his playing career between 2009 and 2013 he then left uh, went off to, to kind of coach with some other clubs for a little while um, after retiring as a player and then came back to Club Bruges in 2018 and, and, and became a uh, um, you know, senior coach with the the under 18s, um, and then the under 21 side at, at Bruges before becoming uh, what we in Belgium call uh, a T2. Uh, to anyone else, that's the, the assistant manager, but in Belgium it's the T1 and the T2. So he's been T2 to the two previous managers. Um, so that's uh, Alfred Schroeder, who's who's now at Ajax, mm-hmm. of course. Um, spent the um, six months at Bruges um, from from last winter, the second half of the season, and he managed to um, usurp Union Saint Germain, win the title for for, for kind of Club Bruges before going to Ajax, which was no surprise. It was a bit of an open secret. He was he wasn't going to be there terribly long and, and go back to Ajax, where you know he he'd spent a, a large part of his career. Of course, he was an assistant to Ronald Koeman while he was at uh, Barcelona Schroeder. And then he was also T2 to the, the, the T1 before that, uh, Philippe Clement, um, who left to go to, to, to Monaco. Of course, he got his big move to Monaco. Um, but the interesting thing about club, just to put you know, domestically them in context for you a little bit, they, they've won um, five of the last seven titles in Belgium and their title last year was their third in a row which is the um, the first time they've won three titles in a row since the late 1970s under the legendary uh, Ernst Happel so yeah. um, they, they, are, they are by and large dominating Belgian football at the moment there's a reason for this and it's really it's a combination of repeated automatic qualification for the Champions League and, and the guaranteed 40 to 45 million pounds that goes with simply qualifying for the group stage and being very very good in the transfer market in terms of the value they bring in on their sales um, they lost um, uh, Charles de Ketelaar uh, in the summer which mm-hmm. wasn't unexpected one of the hottest prospects uh, in European football he he went to Milan uh, for, for 30 million so you know before anything had really even happened transfer wise this summer Club Rouge had guaranteed 70 million between their Champions League qualification and the sale of the Ketelar as well um, Bufkins is, is interesting because you know he has um, he's won 10 of the 13 games um, he's been T1 for so far you know if you include uh, the Champions League games and the, the, the Belgian Super Cup which the curtain raiser game before the season starts so he started very very well um, I don't think there were going to be many head coaches who will be unhappy with, with you know 10 wins out of 13 so far pretty good and I think <laughs> there was uh, an expectation that he was going to get the, his shot at becoming T1 uh, coming through the ranks there was a little bit of surprise in Belgium that they didn't look outside but um, I think the, the club's plan because they probably knew that Schroeder was leaving it wasn't a shock to them that they'd had a good number of months to have a look at this and, and decide whether they wanted to promote from within which is what they do he's, he's very well liked and highly rated by the club and valued and um, I think that had a big factor um, in, in him you know, be, becoming T1 I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is The Deal each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. 
Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You mentioned uh, De Kettelaire a moment ago, uh, really unique talent, you know, star in the making, definitely a star on the rise. Um, but I, I think it, it speaks to a pretty well-run club that they were able to invest that money wisely. That's a big transfer fee uh, for, for the Belgian League, 30 million plus. Uh, he had his choice of clubs between Leeds and Milan. He went to Milan, which can't really blame him for doing that. That's, there's a lot of history at that club. But at, at Bruges as well, this is one of the largest clubs in Belgium, very well supported. Uh, they're the only Belgian club, I think, to make a European Cup final way back in the 70s. And it looks like they're on another, on course for, I don't want to use the word dynastic, but they're, they've won a, a bunch of titles recently. Um, and they, they are, um, along with Ander, like one of the, the biggest clubs in in the country. What's What's the support like in the country what's the perception of club bruges and what's the the match day experience like at jan bridal stadium well i think you know it's interesting this because i think if you asked a supporter of any club other than club bruges i, I think you probably wouldn't get a very warm answer to <laughs> what do they think of bruges Perhaps I, I think it's, it's it's the same the same story you see with any side who, who tend to dominate football in, in in a particular country. They're not particularly well liked mm-hmm. by anyone other than their own fans. Um, I think what I was saying earlier about the, the the really strong financial position they're in, which has pushed them ahead of a lot of their challengers, um, is, is is very important here. That's allowed them to. Keep them ahead of uh, the likes of Genk, who financially are in a very strong position. Standard Liège, another big Belgian club, uh, who are not in a great position at the moment, but have, have started this process of regeneration, uh, which is still in its early days. So they're not in a position to challenge club at the moment, uh, but they would aim to over the next few years. Um, other clubs as well, like um, Ghent. Um, another big club in Belgian football. Um, they they they're not able to compete financially, um, but are, are arguably getting closer. But at the moment, it looks like the main challenge to Club Rouge this year is going to come from Antwerp, who are flying um, at the top of the table, albeit they lost this evening. Um, at the moment, certainly, it's looking like it's going to be between Club Bruges and, and, and Antwerp, but a few gink. Uh, fans, of which are Joris here at the Belgian Football Podcast. He's he's a Genk fan. Um, Joris might have quite a bit to say about that. What we don't know yet is whether Genk can sustain a challenge because we have a rather unique and interesting playoff system in Belgian football, which kicks in um, after after 34 games. Um, so we'll, we'll see where everyone is after that point. But at the moment, the favourites, I, I think, are, are, are Club Rouge and and, and, and Antwerp, um, with, with the added caveat of you know can can Genk disrupt um, Bruges kind of hegemony at, at, at the top of at the top of Belgian football. I think as far as European football is concerned and the Champions League in particular, what's really interesting about the tie this week is 
there were quite modest expectations, if you like, from from Club Bruges and from Belgian football watchers, kind of going into European football this season. I think the sure. the minimum expectation was was look, let's try and finish third in the group so that at least we're guaranteed, you know, uh, Europa League football. Mm-hmm. But the way that the group has started has exceeded everyone's expectations. There was a hope they would get a win at home against Leverkusen, which they managed to do, and then the really big surprise was that really emphatic win in Porto um, uh, you know where they were able to win 4-0 and played Porto off the park for, for the majority of that game nobody quite saw that coming and, and that, that's been a tremendous shot in the arm to Club Bruges and to Belgian football um, the Belgian coefficient has taken a bit of a hammering over the last couple of years but this this year in Europe, Europe uh, the first couple of rounds of, of games across all competitions have seen the Belgian sides actually performing very well so for a number of reasons things are looking up in terms of the coefficient in Belgian football and, and they've given themselves and this is the exciting thing from club and Belgian football's perspective, they've given themselves a really strong platform now to potentially, and this is just my own view but um, to potentially go and win the group now you know the expectations have to have to have to have changed I think um, you know coming off the back of those two those two victories obviously everything can still change it's still early but you know there's no reason now why with with a home game this week against Atletico that they can particularly if they can win this game this week then they're going to be in an, uh, an unbelievably good position to go and and win the group and I think you know psychologically they have to try and look at it like that I think because I think it's very dangerous if you try and um, you know play play things down I think you know exceeding expectations so far comes with greater expectations and, and, and I think you know you have to see how the players respond to that we have to remember they started their European campaign last year very well before it all really fell away rather depressingly um, this year it started even better so I I think one of the lessons from that is to you know not necessarily fear anybody and I think going into this uh, into this game before the first two games I think probably a lot of Club Rouge fans would have feared the next couple of games coming up but certainly I don't think they need to now I think there's a little bit more pressure going into this on Atletico than there is Bruges. Yeah I would agree with that uh, Atletico's start to the group stage has not been particularly encouraging. Uh, this is a team that has struggled in European football in recent years. Only six wins from the past 21 games in Europe, coming off a loss in uh, a deflating loss in Germany to Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, still, several players in defense and midfield unavailable. We're waiting to see if Rodrigo de Paul can play, if Tomale Ma can play. Uh, but Axel Witzel and Yannick Carrasco will play in this game, Scott. Uh, two longtime Belgian internationals, especially. Axel Witzel, who's been in and around the national team for the last 15 years, give or take. What's the perception of those two players in particular uh, among Belgian football watchers and among Belgian media? How are they regarded? How well-liked are they, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it? I think there's a lot of fondness um, for both Axel and Yannick. I, I think there's a there's a general kind of agreement, probably that they're both past their best, mm. but um, I, I think they both still have a lot to offer. Um, they will both go um, to the World Cup with the with the Red Devils. There's there's no doubt about that. They will have a last hurrah at a major tournament. Um, I I am. I'm a, a particularly big fan of Axel Witzel in particular. I think he is, and, and, and I'm going to use a footballing cliche here, but he is 
absolutely a Rolls Royce of a player. You know, he's, he's a beautiful footballer, um, and I think Diego Simeone was was very shrewd in, in bringing him in mm-hmm. recently, the way that he did. Um, and of course, it was it was through that personal phone call that he made very late on that persuaded um, Axel to, to 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 go to Madrid. Um, because he was very, very close on on a deal with Marseille, mm-hmm. um, which was dragging on a little bit. Um, Diego Simeone picks up the phone and, and, and basically says, "Look, um, I'm a big fan. You know, um, come to Atletico. You'll you'll play. You'll have a great time." Um, and that, that that that's what he did. I mean, I think there was there was a slight hope um, within some quarters in the Belgian media, particularly Standard Liège fans, because he's he's a huge figure in Standard Liège's history. Of course, mm-hmm. um, they're the club that, that that effectively made him who he is. Um, he has tremendous affection for the club as well. Uh, put some money into the club as well. Um, you know, has a lot of very good contacts still there and within the city of Liège itself. Um, that, that you know he might come back to Belgium for the last two or three years of his career and play somewhere, but I think he was very honest early on uh, when his Dortmund contract was ending and said that he felt he was able to play, uh, you know, a really top club. Um, and when he said that, I think everybody knew he meant he wanted to stay in one of the top five leagues. Um, Although he hasn't completely ruled out coming back to Belgium, so there is a possibility that he might he might get one year right at the end of his career back in back in Belgium. Because funnily enough, a lot of big hitters, um, Toby Alderweireld and Jan Vertonghen, for example, mm-hmm. have come back to Belgium this summer, um, and are now with Antwerp and, and Anderlecht, and um, that's that's great for everyone in, in, in Belgian football. Uh, but yeah, they're they're both highly rated. Some people I think would prefer some younger stars um, on the rise perhaps to be playing in, in their place but I think Roberto Martinez I think is, is going to favour that that quality and that experience um, ahead of perhaps playing some some younger talent who arguably should be starting ahead of them uh, um, but you know both are great players and I expect them both to, to, to go to Qatar and to, to start, to be automatic starters really for, for, for the Red Devils and a group that they're expected to, to, to win, of course. Witzel in particular has been a bit of a pleasant surprise. I think his signing from the Atletico point of view was met not with skepticism, but it wasn't viewed as a star signing, a flashy move on a free transfer. He's in his mid-30s. He obviously had the Achilles injury a year and a half ago. There is a bit of a bit of hesitation to kind of declare it a really smart or a shrewd signing, but he's been excellent so far. He's barely put a foot wrong, uh, and he's been playing mostly in central defense because of all the injuries that Letico have had, and his reading of the game, his intelligence, positioning, his on-ball, his passing range, his on-ball ability is what we've been sorely missing in in central defense, and he played in midfield yesterday against Sevilla and completed 95% of his passes. Uh, his vision and his positioning and his intelligence, just those are all qualities we have been missing for years since the days of Tiago Mendes and Rodri, arguably. So really nice to have him. I wish we would have gotten him five years earlier when he was still in his 20s. Um, but no, we we were very happy with him. We hope he extends his contract for another year or so. But it would make sense if he went back to standard Liège for a year or two at the end of his career. He came up there. He's obviously well-traveled. Would, you know, would be nice to That would be a nice storybook ending for his career to go back to Belgium and Carrasco we know as a really kind of volatile explosive player a bit inconsistent but when he's on form 
there aren't very many better players than him, especially given his versatility. I expect we're going to see him as an out-and-out winger in this game as Atletico have reverted to the 4-4-2 after playing a 3-5-2 for most of the past couple of seasons. Uh, but given we have several players injured or out of form uh, who are just kind of coming back into the team, we'll, we'll see what the squad looks like on Tuesday for this game in Belgium. But how do you think it's going to go, Scott, if you were willing to hazard a prediction? Well, Bruce tend to play on the front foot at home, as, as all sides should when they're at home, and, and like to try and kind of dominate the ball. Um, I think um, I, I think they would take a point out of this game quite happily. Um, I, I don't think they would be unhappy with that. But um, I think the, the outcome of the game this week, I think, has a little bit more to do with how Atletico might approach it, to be honest. Um, if they feel they need to force the issue a little bit, then that could suit um, Rouge. I think. Um, I think they, they they've they've played themselves into a lot of games, with the exception of the Porto game, where they they you know kind of came out of the traps very early. Um, the first game against Leverkusen, you know, kind of started quite slowly for them, um, and they they tend to start a lot of games like that. Club Rouge, do you know what I mean? They're often stronger. For example, something to look out for in particular in this game is they're often stronger in the second second half than they are in the first half um, which is just something that you know I, I think it's um, not unique to the club but it, it's not it's not new this isn't something that we've seen under Carl Lofkins often um, yeah their second half is, is are noticeably stronger than their first half so they do um, I think they like to feel out the opposition and make tactical tweaks as things go they're quite pragmatic in that sense mm. um, but their fans will expect them to come out and, and, and have a go. Um, there'll be a full house at the Anne Bridal and, and the away supporters tend to get kind of quite a hostile reception traditionally um, from, from home fans. Um, and it's just interesting them going into this game uh, off the back of two wins as well, how that might change the dynamic of this game as well. I, I think they, they're likely to, to, to play with less trepidation um, than, than they would if they'd come into this game um, under slightly different circumstances. So although they're going into it with, with, with confidence, I think Atletico are probably marginally still favourites, I would say. Um, and, I, and I think are probably still favourites to do well in this group, albeit there's a long way to go yet. But mm -hmm. I, I think if, if Bruges can get the three points this week, then um, I think there's an extremely good chance that they will end up winning the group. Likewise, Atletico will be thinking exactly the same thing. Often with Champions League football, it's all about that central double header um, and, and how that goes. And it's just a nice position for a club Bruce to be in to, to go into in, in you know, such, such positive form. Yeah, I would agree. If, if Club Bruges win this game, they are, to me, immense favourites to win the group even with the second half of that doubleheader in Madrid coming up in, in a couple of weeks' time. Um, I, with Atletico, we're not really sure what we're going to get. This has been a very inconsistent team to start this season, kind of alternating really explosive, really good performances with really bad ones. Uh, so we're not sure what kind of team we're going to get in Bruges. And, and Atleti also are, are known to kind of start games slowly, and it's sort of a feeling-out phase. Simeone is an extremely pragmatic manager, has been for a long time. It's one of the reasons why he's had such longevity on the Atletico touchline. So I wonder if we're not going to get some second-half fireworks, especially with the players who might be on Atletico's bench. Uh, 
Simeone is spoiled for choice, really, when it comes to the forward positions. João Felix, Mateus Cunha, Angel Correa, Antoine Griezmann, Alvaro Morato, who scored at the weekend in the win over Sevilla. Uh, it really depends on, on who's available. We still have four or five players who could be in contention, uh, who could not be, and it, it really depends on will Simeone repeat the formula that worked against Sevilla for this game? Will he change tack entirely? We're not really sure yet. Uh, Atletico used to be pretty predictable in this sense. You would know what the team was. You would know who the key players were. You would generally have an idea of what was going to happen um, and how Atletico were going to come out and play. Now it could be anyone's guess. We could fly out the traps or it could be very pragmatic and then goalless, uh, which Atletico probably would not be thrilled with that result. It would still put Club Bruges in a really good position to take one of the top two spots in the group. So I'm I'm excited for this game, Scott. It really could go either way, given Atletico's form. Uh, Club Bruges have been a lot more consistent to begin this season, but I think Atletico do have the talent and the quality and the experience advantage, but I'm excited for this game. It's It could be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it'll be. Um, I think it's going to be one of the definitely to to watch games uh, this week in the Champions League. There's no doubt about it. The the circumstances have, have set this game up kind of uh, very nicely um, indeed. I think. Yeah. Well, Scott, this has been a wonderful talk. Thank you so much for hopping on the show today. Anything else you uh, should uh, you want to let our listeners know about your show? Yeah, well, you can you can find us if you search for the the Belgian Football Podcast. You can obviously find us on Twitter as well at Belgian Podcast. We've got a a weekly show that that covers all the latest news and action across all of the Belgian football landscape, and we like to throw in special extra episodes as often as we can, where we get guests on from from inside the world of of Belgian football, um, people from inside clubs. Um, to, to delve a bit deeper into what's going on in, inside the Belgian football landscape as well. Alternatively, you can you can find me on Twitter at Scott underscore coin or uh, at Coin Consultant, which is my own uh, freelance independent uh, Belgian football consultancy as well. I do uh, some work for, for players and agents and in, in the media via that as, as well as my work with the Belgian football podcast. Very good, Scott. Very cool. Thank you again for coming on the show today. Uh, you can as, as find Belgian Podcast on Twitter. Go listen to their uh, their show. Uh, as usual, keep up with our work at Into the Calderon and IntoTheCalderon.com. Colch Nero Chat Amigos. Get bonus content at Patreon.com slash Colch Nero Chat. Make sure you subscribe to the Atletico Madrid Podcast Network on Spotify. That's it for now. We will be back in midweek to review this game. We're hoping for a good result for Atletico on, on our side. Um, and until next time, adios.